Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Thursday morning to each and every one of you. We thank you for being here. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a. to 12 p. And that's Eastern Time. Many of you already joining us. Spread the word, family, friends, even those you really don't like. You can find us on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd rather find us uh, in download form, podcast fashion, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Before we get anything today, Casey, you were starting to share some information. First of all, good morning. Good morning, Tom. I hope you weren't upset with me yesterday. No. I mean, I leveled a, a somewhat of a beating on you in multiple <laughs> occasions yesterday, and I want to make sure you were all right. Tom, it was well-deserved beatings. I mean, I what am I doing? I'm, I can't be the echo chamber in this room. I got to be on my A game. Okay. All right. Now, what were you telling me about us broadcasting live? Are we, are, are we on live on, on X? Um, you were we, starting to share some information with me, and then you forgot about it. Or we, I forgot about it. We will be will in be. like two seconds. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah, because Ooh. I I forgot to uh, I forgot to set it up on Twitter. But we're going live on Twitter and X X in about five seconds. Okay. We had, we had close to two thousand viewers on Twitter yesterday, yeah. Tom. That's How what about I was going to say. How about that? How about that? Good really? stuff. We thank everybody for being with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, we got lots to get to today. Elliot, Reed, how we looking? Looking good, Tom. You know, it's a beautiful Thursday here in the, the city of Sculpture. Little Chicago, Hamilton, Ohio. <laughs> so, it's just a beautiful day. The city of Sculpture. Yeah. Did you just say Little Chicago? Well, some people call Chicago Big Hamilton, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, had a, we, had a hot, we had a heavy mob... Um, Al Capone and those, and, and John Dillinger used to come down here and have hideouts here in Hamilton back in the 30s. So. Wow. Yep. Yep. 20s, 30s. Those are big leaguers there. Yeah. How about that? Yep. It's pretty cool. Obviously, some of their ancestors are still around. No doubt about it. <laughs> Bullets flying everywhere, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you're laughing at. Come on, Elliot. We are, we are four minutes into this show. This is a serious sports talk show. I'm Keep sorry. Your composure. This is, is a serious sports talk show. Yeah. I'm doing great, Tom. Like, like Reed said, it, it, you know, it's just a great day. It's just a great day to be here in the great city of Hamilton, Ohio. So I'm ready to roll. Okay. I'm ready to have a very serious sports talk show here. Well, I don't know about the serious part, but uh, we do have the Hall of Famer, Anthony Munoz, coming on the program today. The GOAT. He's coming up at 11 o'clock. We can't wait. We love Anthony Munoz. How do you not love Anthony Munoz? I mean, if you have any issue at all, with Anthony Munoz, that's your problem. That's no not his problem. No doubt about it. Tom. Right? One of the few people, really, if you think about it, now maybe you know someone who's like that. Doesn't have to be a famous person, but maybe you know someone that like that, that that nobody can ever say anything bad about. Uh, but that's true about Munoz. He's just the best, the best. And we're grateful for his time. Coming up at 11 o'clock today. All right. The San Francisco 49ers, as we know, started the season 5-0, and and we know they've lost two straight ever since then. Cleveland than Monday night against Minnesota. Well, now it appears they've lost their starting quarterback, at least for this weekend's game, against your Cincinnati Bengals. You have that video, Casey? I'll have it in two seconds. All right. Uh, Brock Purdy suffered a concussion in that game on Monday night, and he's currently in protocol. Now watch him. He is behind 64, the center. 
This is a quarterback sneak. There he is. Watch his head at the end of this play. Oh. I mean, if you don't think that's a violent hit, helmet to helmet, was that flagged? I don't mm, don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's a scrum. How can you? I mean, you could the the rest could probably barely see that. There's 22. I mean, of the largest is, human beings in the world. Yeah, this is from the sky sky cam, and 68 kind of blocks it here. You see how he kind of yeah blocks the obscures the view. I don't know how you missed that. Well, that's, come that's, on. That's, I mean, come on, come on. How do you he, miss that? Here's anyway. the here's the interesting bit about that, Tom. Brock Purdy, before he was hit, was 19 of 24 for 252 yards and a touchdown and zero interceptions. After this hit, he was two for six, 20 yards, and two interceptions. Wow. Wow. You were bad-mouthing the guy. We're going to find out if your theory is true <laughs> That's this true. weekend, by the that way. Is we're true. about to find you're right. out. You're 100% right, Tom. Okay, so um, no player, if you're wondering, this season so far in the NFL that has gone into concussion protocol, which Purdy is in right now, has come back to play the next Sunday. The last time it happened was Kenny Pickett, I think week 11 and 12, 10 or 11 last year. He's the last player to do it. So if Purdy can't go... His backup is Sam Darnold. Remember him? Third overall pick back in 2018 by the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Out of USC. Walked out of USC. Every time he turned around, he's throwing a pick. I remember watching college games with our NFL crew every weekend. And everybody's telling me how great Sam Darnold is. Every time I looked up, he's throwing I, I, Maybe he was colorblind. Throw it to the guys in the, in the, in the maroon jerseys. Not the guys in green. Anyway. He was let go by the Jets. He was a starter there for a while, lost his job, went to Carolina. And after they traded Baker Mayfield last year, he started the final five weeks of the season. Then this year he beats out Trey Lance for the backup slot in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan's team, as you know, is also without their big star wide receiver Debo Samuel this week. So as the old adage goes, it's not always who you play, but when you play them. Kickoff set for 425. That game is on CBS. Your good friends, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I love, I do like Jim Nance. Yep. I do like Jim Nance. I like them both. It's a good team. I like Tony. Tony kind of gets a little bit on my nerve, but I, I, Jim Nance is great. He's not the, I, I like Tony. I, I think he, everyone loved him when he first came. Now everyone's hating on him again. I think it's somewhere in the middle of the two. I think he's good. Casey, you're a big fan of that duo. Uh, I, I like Jim. Uh, Romo's kind of soured on me a little bit, but I haven't really listened to him this year. I, have I, don't, not like how he to... I don't like how he predicts the plays. I don't like yeah. that. I don't like how he's predicting everything that happens. I thought it was cute when he started it, but now it's kind of getting a little old because sometimes he's wrong and it's just like, they, you know, just makes him look silly. Them, right? Yeah. Huh? Didn't CBS like come to his house and like try to coach him up? That's word on the street. Word on the street. I don't know. I have no idea. I wasn't there. I have no connections to CBS, no fingerprints, and you win. <laughs> All right, other news and notes around the National Football <laughs> League, and there are plenty of them. Reed's guide to Sean Watson will miss Please. his third straight game <laughs> with a shoulder yes. injury this weekend. P.J. Walker has gone 2-0 and for the Brownies. 
including that win over the 49ers a couple of weeks ago. They put up 39 on the board against Indy. Not too shabby for a journeyman guy from the XFL. Three-time Pro Bowl defensive end Frank Clark is headed back to Seattle. He was a really good player there for four years. He played in just two games this season in Denver before being released. FC Cincinnati. That's right. Will face New York in the best of three opening round MLS playoff series. The Bulls beat Charlotte 5-2 last night. That was a play-in game for the right to play the number one seed, FCC. The series begins at TQL Stadium Sunday night, 8-P on the pitch. You're a little worried about that series, Case. Yeah, uh, this year, FC's gone up against them twice, and they have not managed to win. They've actually lost to them and tied to them. And that's exactly what we were just talking about earlier this morning. The Red Bulls, they play very chaotic. They, they like to flop a lot. They like to get every advantage they can to try to drag the game out. Once they score, um, they're not trying to, to you know outscore you. They're trying to either get a tie or, yep. or win by one. And FC has really struggled with them in the past. They have not been able to um, execute their game plan to their highest efficiency against this team. And... It makes me worried. It makes me very worried, Tom. I was unaware until yesterday that what they're doing in this opening round, best of three, everything else after that is just a one game, like a NFL playoff game. Right. Uh, but this year for the playoffs in this opening rounds, it's best out of three. So that's number one. Number two, which is a concern for FC based on what Casey just said, is that at the end of regulation, if you're tied, you normally would have, what, a 30-minute overtime period? Yeah, two 15-minute Two minutes, yeah, so 30 minutes total. But you're going to yeah. play. It's not a sudden death. It's all, right. it's all 30. You're going to play. Yep. This year, in that opening round series, if you're tied at the end of regulation, you go straight to penalty kicks. So think about it. If you're an overwhelming underdog and you can just tie the top dog at the end of regulation, go to penalty kicks, and who knows after that. In baseball, the World Series begins tomorrow night in Arlington, Texas. An unlikely matchup if there ever was one. Two wild card teams. The Rangers will send Nathan Avaldi to the mound against Arizona ace Zach Gallen. First pitch at 8 o'clock on Fox tomorrow. Dusty Baker will make it official today at a noon press conference in Houston that he's retiring. The 74-year-old ranks seventh all-time in managerial wins. The fourth most all-time postseason wins, including his only World Series title a season ago with the Astros. He is the only manager in Major League Baseball history to lead five different franchises to the playoffs, including, of course, your Cincinnati Reds. Donovan Mitchell. I know everybody around here is all in on the NBA. We do. We do. Lots of action. Yep. Yes, correct. That's Donovan right. Mitchell scores 10 of his 27 in the fourth including a game-winning three propelling the Cavaliers. Those are our guys on this show. To a 114-113 win in Brooklyn. It's Cleveland's first road win in a season opener since 2000. How about that? They didn't even win one with LeBron when they opened on the road. All That's wild. Years. It is. It's a long time. Did you – part of our opening – when we get, you know, a little sound bite from everybody, sniper, you know, all kinds of different stuff. Yours always says, uh, Elliot, it was a rough day, Z Brazilianaires. 
Yes. Okay, well, that can't hold true every day. Did you have some action last night? And if so, how did it go? I bet on the Dallas Mavericks, minus four and a half against the Spurs. Victor Wembanyama's Yama's Spurs. And they covered. It was, it, was, it was close. It wasn't looking like they were going to cover. It was a tie game with two minutes left. Dallas takes two threes to end it. Nobody else scored another point, win by six, and, and I survive. I live to see another day. So, so we won. So you made money. I made, I was in the green. I was profiting. I love that. Did you have any action, Reed, in yeah. the uh, association, as you hipsters like to call it? Yeah, Tom. I mean, if you come to off the bench, you come for our NBA takes. and Because and, we know NBA. We know the NBA here around uh, me and Elliot. Hawks yep. when it comes to the NBA. You yep. guys do. You guys actually think you know the NBA. Oh, yeah. Tom, we don't think. We know. Yeah, oh, yeah. We know we know the NBA. Okay. Um, I bet the, the Knicks – Plus four and a half against the Celtics. That covered by a half point. And I bet the the Hornets. The Hornets covered last night. So, uh, yeah. I think I also bet the the Rockets, who are terrible, and they, they got their they got their tail kicked. But okay. it was an okay night. All right, so yeah, you won okay. two out of three. Yeah. Okay. And Casey, any action in the association? Yeah, in the NBA, I uh, had a couple bets. I, I put out one in the Discord, just a fun one. The first uh, first goal score in the, the Heat and Pistons game, that did not happen. Um, usually those are just throwaway bets anyways. It's just fun to win it if you do win it. But um, I had a couple other props. Uh, Clint Capella, points, rebounds, and assists. Who? Clint Capella. Tom, how do you not know Clint Capella? Who does he play for? The Hawks. Okay. And uh, he, he hit that. And Jordan Poole, I bet on his points. Thought he was going to do something with the Wizards after leaving, uh, after leaving the Celtics, and that did not happen. He only had 18 points. It was not a little disappointing. Yeah, it so. is disappointing. Mark Fetter says uh, that he wins more betting on the NBA than anything else. What about that? How about that? Tom, who's your NBA team of choice? I'm a Cavs guy. Cavs guy. I am. Even through all your years living in Chicago, you never, never – uh... <clears throat> Well, I used to go over to the Bulls. That's that was back in the heyday. I was there when Jordan was there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I used to go over there from time to time. I mean, how, how you know? I mean, are you kidding me? You know, it's one of those deals where when they're your local team, I mean, you talk about a run. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they're on eighty-two games a year during the regular season, right? Right. And you live in the town, and so you get to watch every game. They maybe you can do that now. I guess if you buy that NBA package. Right. But when they're in your town, I mean, it, it's it, you just can't believe it. They're on every night and kicking everybody's tail. And some of the players in the league in those days, all the different teams. I mean, when he first came in, you had Bird and Magic and all those guys and all that going on. Then Malone and Stockton and Barkley and Lambeer. I mean, it was all this stuff. It was Isaiah. It was, um, it was incredible basketball to watch regularly. Regularly. And maybe it still is. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a much different game. It's not as physical as it was, but the, the skill is – probably better it is better than it than it was back then just based on watching old film tom who's your favorite nba player all time hmm. uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say larry bird larry bird all right fair enough fair yeah enough. how about you peja stoyakovich easy answer wow say that one again peja stoyakovich <laughs> best player of all time okay how about right. you zebra uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Zadrua Sigowskis. Yes. Zadrua Sigowskis. Uh, he's a former Cav. They, <laughs> called, him yes. Yes. they yes. called him Big Z. They called him Big Z. Zadrua Sigowskis. 
When he actually did follow LeBron. I think he was the only Cavalier to follow LeBron to Miami when he left, when he made the decision. Right, or whatever. right. Fun fact. Casey, who's your favorite? My favorite NBA player of all time? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I, I like Giannis. Yep. I like I like Doncic. Front those, runner, the, yeah, I, I like the guys that are current. I just so I was never I was I was never really big in the NBA growing up, so I just didn't know a whole lot of guys. Well, we'll get you. I on, like we'll Shaq. get you on that this year. You right. read and I will teach you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I'm slowly you know learning. Me. I'm slowly you know learning NBA. You're only allowed to like Eastern European players, just right. like the Xavier roster this this year. Well, that would be Giannis. Correct. Not be yeah. Luca. Does, does Greece count as Eastern Europe? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's not who you think of when you think of Eastern Europe, but yeah, it's on the east side of Europe. Tom, let, let's 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 defend uh, something for a second. You said my guy, Deshaun Watson. Well, I mean, you talk about him all the time. You badmouth him. <laughs> that I mean, he killed the guy. guy. They, I mean, I read the story about his shoulder. They said that he is actually still having to do a bunch of rehab on it because no, there's no structural damage in there, but there is significant swelling, which is preventing him from throwing the ball. And, and you're killing the guy. You thought he was jaking. I so you said it. the The news, correct. The news that I heard is that he was medically cleared to play. And if the doctors are telling him no, he can't play anymore. At least he's hearing no and and, and not not advancing anymore. Did he not kill him, Zebra? He killed him. He killed him. I mean, you don't have to like Deshaun Watson and what he did off the field or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, no question about that. But, I mean, come on. Come on. I got nothing. I don't like Deshaun Watson. I think I, – I don't like Deshaun Watson. Yep, just don't like him. That's man. the hill you're going to die on. Yep, huh? that's, that's, that's the take. <laughs> I'm, willing, I'm willing to stake my reputation on is that I don't like Deshaun Watson, Tom. Well, you know what? You, you, would, uh, you would not get much argument for very many people. <laughs> so, you staked your claim, and probably not a bad one if you had to jam the flag into the moon. That would be the one where you'd probably be safe. Uh, get back to this uh, Brock Purdy thing now, because we're about to find out. I've heard you guys, and not well, Elliot too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I take that back. He's been guilty of this. I've never bought into this stuff. Doesn't mean I'm right. I may be proven wrong this weekend. I have never bought into this stuff that a guy's a system quarterback, and you could just plug anybody in there. And they would lead the team the way whoever he's replacing. Okay? And I don't know if that's been said more about one guy in a short amount of time. Because he took over as a starter last year. Had the incredible run. Was undefeated during the regular season. Talking about Brock Purdy. Got hurt the NFC Championship game. Uh, this year, picks up where he left off. Goes 5-0. and uh, and now all of a sudden he's concussed and he's out. You guys have made the argument that you could plug anybody in there as long as Kyle Shanahan's running the show. I have not. You've said it about other guys. I you have, have said that, Casey, about I, somebody, uh, and I'm drawing to, a blank. Jared Goff. About the Lions. Jared Goff. You said, Jared Goff. Okay, it's the same thing. You're well, suggesting it was, it was, that, I mean. It was, a, it was a way to argue back about the Brock Purdy situation. That's what I was doing. I think both quarterbacks are pretty good in their own right. They have different weaknesses. That's very clear to see. I think I like Brock Purdy more than Jared Goff, but Brock Purdy in that system has helped out a lot, and I think a lot of people see that. 
But I think he makes a lot of good throws. And you and I were both on that train. I thought he played really well last Wait week. Wait a minute. You buried Brock Purdy last year when I was on <laughs> that train. Last you buried year. the guy. Last year. What are you I just talking to see, about? I just wanted to see more. I want to see more from him. And he's shown a lot more since then. We were talking about him like he was a all-world-beating quarterback after four games, Tom. Three or four games. He was and undefeated. Now he's, now he's, yeah, he's undefeated. And he was lighting he, it up. He, he, He's played 13, 14 games now, and there's a lot more data to suggest that you're right. And I agree with that. Okay, well, then let's shift gears over here. You're the guy right at the – both of you guys. I'm at the tip plug of the spear on this Plug and play, one, plug and play, Correct. plug I'm, and play. I'm at the tip of the spear on this one. My take – listen, I – if you've watched this show enough, if you've heard me talk about the NFL enough, I think that by far the most important thing on the field is the quarterback. I think it is – I think quarterbacks make coaches' careers. I think quarterbacks make – Dynasties, all the above, everything. I think quarterback is king. That's why the Bengals are playing well, because we got a good quarterback. I said if there was one case study that could unprove my point, it would be the San Francisco 49ers. They've got all pros on the line. They've got an all-pro running back. They've got all pros at the wide receiver, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, all the above, all pros all around the field. So if there was ever a case that you could build a perfect roster around a limited quarterback, it'd be the San Francisco 49ers. And I saw Trey Lance have a winning record in his few starts for the 49ers. I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo win a lot of games in his starts in his few years with the 49ers. And I've seen Brock Purdy tear it up in his 13 starts for the 49ers. So at some point, when I've seen three different quarterbacks do it, I'm wondering, hey, is there something to this team just being so stacked that they are raising the quarterback as opposed to the quarterback raising the team. We are going to see it unfold right before our eyes against our Bengals this Sunday. Sam Darnold, who has been terrible everywhere he's gone. They've given him too many chances. Third, third overall pick, New York didn't work out. Carolina didn't work out, and now he's getting another chance here in San Francisco. It can't be a better chance for him because his team is absolutely stacked. And now Debo's not going to play, but regardless, they still got plenty of weapons. So we are going to find out in real time just how good this 49ers roster team is. And if they can still put up 30 points on a good defense like the Bengals, although it, it comes in and out, on a, on a mostly good yep. defense for the Bengals, then yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we can defend Brock Purdy and, and the, all these things about being a plug-and-play quarterback. When you can plug in Sam Darnold and if he puts up 30 points, then yeah, it proves it. Brock Purdy is a replaceable quarterback. Correct. Now I don't know. I don't know if Sam Darnold's the one to replace him because I think Sam Darnold's been very, very bad in the NFL. But yeah. if there was ever, if, if there was ever a team that a quarterback could be replaced, like Reed just said, for all the reasons Reed just said, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Saying all this, I do think Brock Purdy's significantly better than than Sam Darnold, without question. I think the Bengals, if they were to lose this game, it would be a sad loss because I. Sam, Sam Darnold's not a good quarterback. He's just not very good. So if we're going to argue here that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a system quarterback type situation, I will stand by that unless it's Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play the game. Here's, here's the thing. If, That's true. If Joe Burrow and the Bengals are five-point favorites like the 49ers were to the Bengals this Sunday, 
and Joe Burrow is scratched, can't play, Jake Brown is going to be our quarterback. The line's going to be a pick them. It's going to go the other way. It's going to say, oh, the other team's favored now. If the Kansas City Chiefs were a five-point favorite against another very good team, Kansas City Chiefs say playing, uh, this isn't even a good team, but Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and Patrick Mahomes can't play, that line's going to go down to five points. The line went down from five and a half points to still over a field goal favorite in San Francisco with Sam Darnold. Who hasn't taken okay, a Okay, but that is pretty much stand. I mean, you guys know more about it than I've forgotten more about it because I, I, I'm not in the gambling world. But, I mean, if it went from, if I'm hearing you right, if it went from five and a half down to three and a half, that's a pretty significant drop. They're saying Brock. Three and a half there at home. You normally get that just being at home, right? Two, three. They, they are saying that Brock Purdy is worth two points. If Joe Burrow cannot play, he's worth near a touchdown. And he hasn't even played well this year. If Patrick Mahomes is playing and he can't play, he's worth a touchdown. If I'm trying to think of more quarterbacks, if 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 even like someone like the Vikings don't have Kirk Cousins, that's that that spread's changing four, five, maybe even six points. And they are saying that Brock Purdy's only worth two points. I don't know, Tom. I don't agree with that. But that's why they're in the gambling business and uh and I'm not. And here's the thing, you guys wanna bash Purdy. You Comparing, do. Time out. No. Like, time out. Yeah, time you out. do. Time we out. have done time nothing out. but defend Brock Purdy. Time out. Yeah. You are allowed to change your mind. Yeah. Each of us is allowed to change our mind. It doesn't make us a bad person if you change your mind. You become mm. enlightened. You try to become better. You I agree with that. Grow, right? I agree with that. Knowledge, 100%. Right? The knowledge tree. Right. Okay? So, but make no mistake about it. Last November and December and January, you were killing Brock Purdy. So is it safe to say you have been enlightened? Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've, I've stated that. And you're married now, which helps. Yeah, it helps right? a lot. Yeah. It opens your eyes it to, does. The, to, the, it does. to the real well, world. To, to, well, yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, boy, it opens your eyes. Just wait. <laughs> Give it about seven years. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I'm just looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats, and I'm just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about in terms of just plug and play. I mean, he had two good seasons with the 49ers. He got hurt a couple times, but he didn't have Brandon Ayuk or Christian McCaffrey. He he had Brandon Ayuk for the 2021 season. I mean, like I'm all I'm saying is that if you're gonna look at how he's doing so far this first six, seven games that he's played in and you extrapolate that out for the rest of the remainder of the year. I mean, Brock Purdy shatters what Jimmy Garoppolo has done with the 49ers. Shatters it by a lot. The so rest. I just... I And Garoppolo won a lot of games there. Yeah, I Got mean... Got him to a Super Bowl, I, if I remember right. Like, yeah, if we're going to use the winning stats, like I would like to use the other stats too, like touchdowns, yeah. oh, interceptions. I know, I know, and, I, know. I know. And yards, like th those are all important stats. And it, he's leading the league in efficiency, like... All those, I think, play in a factor that he is a better quarterback than Jimmy G. Listen, Brock Purdy, I don't want to get it twisted. I just don't think Brock Purdy's an elite quarterback. Like, I don't think he's I, – I think that this team is so good that I think there are 20 quarterbacks in this league that if you put them in Brock Purdy's position, they're going to succeed. They're going to succeed and win a lot of games. I think if you put a Baker Mayfield back there, they win a lot of games. I think if you, I mean, I, 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 you don't like Derek Carr. I think if you put Derek Carr on the 49ers, they are one of the best teams in the league still. 
And I don't think that you can, I don't think you can argue that. So I'm just, I'm just weak. I'm just short to give Brock Purdy all the credit. And I do it to almost every other quarterback in the league. But here with the 49ers, I'm short to give them all the credit because I've seen three different quarterbacks win in that, in that scenario. I've seen Jimmy G who has done okay in other places. He certainly has done okay. Hasn't been great. But he looked great for the 49ers. Took him to a Super Bowl, as we mentioned. So it's going to be a case study. And I, w- <laughs> I would like to see the scientific <laughs> matter of it is I would like to see Brock Purdy be out a couple more weeks so you can see Sam Darnold, see how he does with a three- and four-week span to see if this offense still looks that great. We're going to see it for one week against a good team. in the Cincinnati And Bengals. in fairness to Sam Darnold, I mean, you, you have to be fair, okay? He was given the job right out of the gate with the Jets. They were terrible. I mean, terrible. Right. Now, he wasn't very good, but, I mean, they had a lot of issues. Uh, and then he goes to Carolina, and they were terrible. Mm-hmm. So now, as you said, even though Debo Samuel does not play this weekend, he does have McCaffrey, he has Kittle, Ayuk. They've got good players, and they got a good offensive line. I would imagine they run the ball a lot this week to find out if the Bengals – Run defense, which was so grossly exploited the first four or five games of the year. I still can't imagine. Everybody talks about Sean McVay. I still cannot believe that when the Rams came here, after the first three weeks of the season, they were one of the best running teams in the NFL. And they came here and just asked Stafford to sling it all over the place. They didn't even challenge the Bengals' run defense. I would think that that run defense will at least be tested this coming Sunday. Yeah, I think they're certainly going to going to run the ball. And you know, typically when your starting quarterback goes down, you 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 limit the playbook. And I still think the 49ers are certainly going to limit the playbook a little bit. But fortunately for the 49ers, they can still get it out to Christian McCaffrey in the flats and see if he can run for 40 yards. They still got George Kittle in these short intermediate routes, and and Brandon Ayuk. I I don't think that they're going to be as as volatile downfield as they were with Brock Purdy, and, and Brock Purdy made some some nice throws yes, he does. beyond the chains. But I don't think they're going to do that with Sam Darnold. But they still can open up a lot of their playbook because of the talent they have. Like Christian McCaffrey, I, I also have to take against, I, I think running backs are a dime a dozen. Christian McCaffrey might be the exception to that rule as well because he is a special, special talent. He, he can he can hurt you in a in a yeah. Myriad of ways. Yeah, he's a phenomenal player. There's no debate about it. But how healthy is he? I mean, he had the oblique thing two no weeks doubt. ago. He no did doubt. play last week. He had the big, long, you know, uh, touchdown reception on basically a screen. Uh, and he, he ran right by everybody. 40 yards, 35 <laughs> yards, whatever it was, into the end zone for a touchdown. All right. A question for all of you in the chat and a question for the three of you here in the studio. We all have agreed, or I think we've agreed, that the Bengals more than likely don't make any kind of deal at the trade deadline, which is on Halloween. That's uh, Tuesday, next week, 31st. Um, They've traditionally not been a team that is active at the trade deadline. But if they were to go out and make a deal, and they put it on your desk, Casey, on your desk, Zebra, on your desk, Reed, and said, okay, you don't necessarily have to name a player here. If you want to, that's great. 
But what would be the area that you look at this team and you say, okay, if we're on board to going out and making a deal, here's the position I would go make the deal to get to try and get better. Because here you are, three and three. Burrow's been hurt. The offense has been the worst in the NFL. We understand changes are coming. More under center. Try to get the run game going. We're going to talk to Anthony Munoz about this stuff at 11 o'clock today. We'll start with you, Casey. If there's one area of this team where if you were the general manager, you're Duke Tobin, Katie Brown, Mike Brown tomorrow. Right. And you're given carte blanche. I mean, you're, you're given carte blanche to give up number one picks in the future or sixth round picks in the future. What area are you going to go try and improve? For me, Tom, and it's, a, it's not a joke. It's not, it's, I'm not trying to be funny. I would honestly go get some offensive line help. I would go ask the Patriots. Um, I think that this, this specific trade in mind with the Patriots to either get a combination of Hunter Henry, Mike Kosecki, one of those guys at tight end, and then Michael Winu, uh, the left guard. He's a uh, borderline uh, Pro Bowl type caliber guard for the for the Patriots and plays left guard that automatically boosts that position up. You let Volson just take that backup role. He's been one of the worst guards in the league this year. Take no chances on that, and you're not giving up a lot of picks for it. You're giving up maybe a fourth or a third round at the most for those guys altogether. Like if you if you paired up a, a tight end and a guard with the Patriots and you send over a third, that probably works. So that's my that's my trade. So you think offensive line and tight end kind of co-working together there, right? Right. Okay. All right. Is, is it because you want depth in the offensive line, or do you want a new starter for Cordell Volson? I, per, I personally want a new starter because okay. I'm, I'm in the all-in mode at the current moment. If you're going to be all-in on this season, if you're going to go past this 3-3 three and three position that you're in, let's just sure up some holes. Volson has been ranked like out of the 104 guards that have played in the NFL this season, he's at 100. He's like one of the worst guards currently in terms of efficiency mm-hmm. and yeah that's somewhat uh based off of pff stats which we know aren't the greatest but he's still one of the bottom league guards starting guards in the nfl i want to fill that position in and then tight end we know how that is at the current moment so yeah i think uh i think you bring up a good point on the interior line about maybe they need to go out and and get some some interior line help and i don't contrary to what you said, I don't necessarily think they need to get a starter, but at some point in this year, you're going to have an injury on the line, and I just don't think the depth is there for the Cincinnati Bengals. It certainly showed its hand last year, and I know we we had Lyle Collins, but we released him and and all these things. I would like to see just a little bit of depth on the interior line if we are going to go out and get somebody. And and here's here's a shocker, because I know I've bashed running backs for so long, but I wouldn't be afraid – if the Cincinnati Bengals go out, and it could be an aging back, but a backup for Joe Mixon. Because at this very moment, I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals have any confidence in in uh, Travion Williams and Chase Brown. Maybe you get a blocking back so that Drew Sample isn't the third down back in the field. Stuff like that. 
just to at least give this team another look. And, and everyone's going to bash me. Read, 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 read. Don't you say you could just put any running back in there. And I get I said that. But here's the thing is you can go and get a backup running back for a seventh round pick. You can go and get a backup running back for freaking money. Like you can make these trades in the NFL because the value on running backs is so low. And if the Bengals have absolutely no confidence, no confidence at all in Chase Brown and Travion Williams to, to get carries, if they have no confidence in any of their running backs to protect Joe Burrow on third down, then yeah, you might need to go and, and, and get some veteran around the league to, to at least back up Joe Mixon. All right, what about, what about Ezekiel Elliott? He's 28 years old. Another Patriot. Okay, he's, yeah, right. That's why I bring it up. He's 28 years old. He was signed late, so it right. took him a while to get going. He's always been known as a great pass protector. Correct. And he is an outstanding receiver. There's no debate about that. The only game they really gave him the ball to cut it loose so far with New England was against the Jets. And I think we all agree the Jets are one of the top two or three defensive teams in the league. He has 16 rushes for 80 yards in that game. Now, he's had other games where, you know, most recently only 11 carries against Buffalo, 31 yards. He's had other games where eight carries, seven. So he's not getting a lot of work. And you're not suggesting you get a ton of work here. But that's just, he's 28. I mean, no. can you say he's over the hill? I don't know if he's over the hill. I have no idea. But I know that he's been a damn good player for a long, long time. I'm not afraid that if he's over the hill or not because the, the very reasons that you brought up, he can protect Joe Burrow on third down. And, and if he has to run out in the flats, he, he's good receiving. Uh, it's all... It's all a matter of what you would get for him, and that would be what makes the deal. Yeah, if Ezekiel comes to this team, the running back room is going to be better. But you, you can't give up anything better than a seventh round. No, pick. there's no doubt Seven, about six that. Seven, six-round pick right, for right. him. Because that, that is such a small value to the team. I just want it to where when we have somebody else in the backfield that isn't Joe Mixon, that we can at least look like we're going to run the ball. Right. To at least where they have the defense has to be honest. When Joe Mixon's not in the backfield right now, the defense knows yep. that with, knows That's that right. there's no run play coming whatsoever. I think Chase Brown's had like four carries in the past five weeks or something like that, and Travion Williams has a pair of them. Like, so <laughs> I just want to give a different look more than anything else. And if you get a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who obviously has had success in this league, obviously he was a, a marquee name coming out of college. That at least keeps the defense honest. But it all depends what you're giving up for him. I mean, I'm talking even a six-round pick might yeah, well, be a little no too doubt. much for Ezekiel. Okay, so what's your deal? What's my deal? What's your deal? If, if For a guy like What Ezekiel, area? I'm just well, saying. Yeah. I started with this with saying you had an area. You want to name a guy, name a guy. But if you had an area and they said go make a deal and make us better. Yeah, so I'm seeing a lot of things float around. Some people say maybe we can get some extra pass rush. I think the defense is 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 pretty shored up, at least of roster-wise. I think they can still play a little better, but I don't think there's really thing, anything you can add to the defense to really change what they look. So Casey brought up the interior line. I like a depth there. I brought up the backup running back. All these things culminate in I think there needs to be a legitimate pass option out of tight end. And I know that's the tired take. I know that's what everyone says. But – Irv Smith just isn't it. If Irv Smith is gonna gonna run forty routes a game and we don't target him more than once, then what are we doing? What are we doing with Irv Smith? And I know we're making the move to Tanner Hudson to have a legitimate uh, tight end out there, but we I think if they're gonna get anything, and I don't think they're gonna get anything, but if they were, yeah, maybe you need to get some some tight end help out there. 
That's my answer. Reed stole my answer. I would get Hayden Hurst. I think Hayden Hurst is cheap. He's viable. I think he'd be, he'd be willing to restructure that deal. I'd bring Hayden Hurst back to Cincinnati. He knows the offense. He fits in the offense. Yep. I, think it's, I think it would be a win-win. The Panthers are the worst team in the NFL. I don't know what, he, I don't know you, what you'd give away. I assume a late-round draft pick. I'd do it, I'd do it tomorrow. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow needs to have a tight end out there, even if, it's, even if it's just to have one just present. We don't have a tight end present on the field. And that's got to stop. I, I said all offseason, I wasn't worried about who they were going to get with Hayden Hurst leaving because, I, in, in my opinion, it was Joe Burrow's fourth target. And I still hold that a little bit. But if, if Irv Smith's going to run out for 40 routes a game, Joe Burrow's dropping back 40 times, and Irv Smith's getting one target, then, then that, that, that can't continue. And it's not going to. We heard Charlie talk about it yesterday. How well, I mean, I don't know how you can you, – listen, you can say he came with a track record, he being Irv Smith Jr. He came with a track record of frequently being injured. Right. He came with that tag. Okay, and guys get that tag, and they earn that tag. Sadly, to no fault of their own. It just happens. Some guys have better luck with injuries than other guys do. There's no doubt he is an uber-talented dude. Phenomenal athlete. Can run, apparently has very good hands, although, you know, we saw him drop a couple balls this year. But I'm just having a hard time understanding that you're going to beat down Smith when in reality they never throw him the ball. I mean, how, how are you beating him down? I'm not saying you guys are beating him down, but I'm saying the fan base is just like written right. this guy off after six weeks, which he played half of them, mm-hmm. right? And he had a drop or two early. And so, you know, you're always given a lot more rope when you're a guy that's proven yourself through the years. I mean, who dropped more balls in one game than T. Higgins did this year, right? Yeah. But he's yeah. got a track record, especially with the fans here in Cincinnati. Smith does not. But, I mean, I, I'm just having a hard time understanding. They thought enough of this guy to bring him in during the offseason. My understanding is Hurst wanted an extra year on the contract. The Bengals were going to pay him the same money, but Hurst wanted one more year. So they decided to move on. But they thought enough of Smith to bring him in as a free agent. So these were their off-season plans. They thought enough. And, and look, you talk to people who were down there at Paycor during training camp. No one looked better than Irv Smith. Everybody that was down there said it was incredible how good he looked. So you mean to tell me he's all of a sudden a stiff? Six weeks later, he's a stiff? Well, the, the reasons that, that we were cautious about him, right, Tom, was that he's injured. Well, he's already missed two games. And you bring up the point that I was trying to make is that if what, where, where are we missing with Irv? Because he's going out 40 times a game. On routes, and we're only giving him two targets. Is he not open? Are we not actually trying to get him involved good, in the good, offense? Good point. Whatever it is, it's not working, and we've got to change that. There is no point in, in in telling Irv Smith to go out on a route forty times a game if you're not going to throw him the ball. I'd rather have Drew Sample out there blocking. I might as well just put him put him on the line and well say, hey, give, give some Joe Burrow some extra protection. So that's the point I'm trying to make is whatever it is about Irv Smith, it's not working right now. Whether they're not giving a conscious effort to involve him, to get him the ball, or he's just simply not getting open, that right. they can't get him the ball. That's right. 
And, and what you said is fair. Everybody's killing them. We're six, we're six games into an NFL season, seven weeks. The Bengals are six games into the season. The time for, the, the time for long leashes is, is, is over. They're three and three. The toughest part of the schedule is coming up. We got to get going here. I, I, I get your point. Very early into the season, he hasn't played a lot. But at the same time, we, I mean, you, you give this guy too much of a leash here. We're over halfway through the season. He still hasn't performed, and then where are we? We're still saying that you're, you're killing the guy. He hasn't played. At some point, you just got to go. We're, we're too far into this season to have this offense still not scoring 20 points consistently. Irv Smith has been a problem. It's time, it's time to let him walk. He's a, he's a veteran tight end. He hasn't, made, he hasn't made any noise whatsoever in the three games he has played. So it's time to go. I, I, we, don't have time, we don't have time for Irv Smith to, to find level here. Tom, yeah, I, he, he played 50 snaps. 50 snaps against the Arizona Cardinals. He was not targeted one time. Okay, now, now uh, I would add a third layer to your argument, which is a great point. When you talked about, okay, is, is, um, he, he's playing all these plays, they're not throwing him the ball. He's playing all these plays, is he not getting open? Playing all these plays, right? Or how much of the, it was brought up in the chat, so I'm not going to take credit for this, but it's been talked about before. Has the quarterback gone south on Irv Smith? Yeah. All right, but, but, but here's the thing. If that's the case, and we're never going to know the answer to that question. We really aren't. So it's almost like, you know, total speculation here. But let's just say for a second that Burrow, for whatever reason, gave him a chance first couple games of the year, drops a couple big passes, doesn't make a play on some tough throws, the one down the sideline. And, you know, Charlie made the comment, you know, that's a play, or, or Jay Morrison made a comment, that's a play he's got to make. I thought that that play down the sideline was a really tough play. There aren't a lot of NFL tight ends that make that catch. But anyway, he did drop a couple early, Cleveland, et cetera. So, I mean, but... Can your quarterback go south on a guy? I think you're trying to win games. Can you afford? And again, I'm not saying this is the case. I don't know. I'm just throwing. It's been suggested by a lot of people that Burroughs lost confidence in Smith. Well, again, I go back to training camp, and I know it's only training camp, but everybody said he was the best player on offense for a lot of training camp practices. Burrow trusted him in training, uh, you know, although Joe missed a lot of that. So I stand corrected there. Perhaps maybe there's the answer. Other guys were trusting Herb Smith. And Burrow never got a chance to in, in, in training camp because he got hurt in July. Yeah, and I'm just looking at some of the more – I'm not going to go super deep into this. I'm looking at some of the analytics here. He's not really running a whole lot of routes past the 10-yard line or, you know, the first down marker. And the throws that he's – had on the uh, in that range he's dropped two passes and he's only been targeted 11 times has six receptions on the season and a guy like tanner hudson who has five targets on the season has three receptions and one of those was past the 10 yard marker and it ended up being a 26 yard gain i mean so i just maybe it is just something where he's more used to Tanner Hudson. Well, that's not even the case either. Tanner right. Hudson came this season. I I don't know, Tom. There's something there yeah, that, but, that there's a there, there's a, there's a clear disconnect 
We're six games into the NFL season. The Bengals are 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. We've massively been underwhelming so far. You cut him loose. There's not really even a debate anymore. He hasn't worked out. I'm sorry. It's The, the, the time for babying him is yeah. over. It's, Joe Burrow's not thrown to him. And for whatever reason, it's not personal. It's, it's, a, it's a sport. He has three other elite wide receivers to go to. It's, it's just he, it's, it's not in, in Joe Burrow's mind. Right. But either way, he's not in Joe Burrow's mind. He's not fitting in the offense. <laughs> We're six games into the NFL season, and we have to go. You got to go. All so, right. Speaking of going, going, you've got to go because I I've understand go. you're actually going to go outside for the Correct. weather today. Yeah. So give me about a minute here. I'm going to go run outside. Hold All on. Right, so you here run outside, and while while Elliot's doing that, look, Craig Samlin in the chat brings up Reed. Yeah. You mean to tell me we have less than ten tight end targets basically on the year, right? Per game. Correct. A lot less, right? Like four or five. Irv Smith's played 160 pat, um, snaps this year. He's been targeted 11 times. Okay. Casey, I'm going to turn uh, – uh, while Elliot's uh, going out to get the weather going, um, just be able to do that? Yeah. Okay. Here, right. I'll, I'll just do a quick uh, quick math here on how many targets we had All at right, the tight end position. I'll talk about this for a second because I'm going to run out too. Keep okay. Going. So just the first two weeks alone, Hayden Hurst was targeted seven and six times. So that automatically breaks what we've done the last six weeks as a Bengals unit. And then two targets, four targets, seven targets, three targets. I mean, the tight end position does matter with this group. It does. It's a small part, but those are no production out of it. You're getting none. You're getting nothing out of it. So you can't, you can't afford to have a nothing burger in the NFL in any position. Correct. Correct. All right. So I think, I think I I see Elliot. All right. I think we I think weather. we're dialing in. So let me let me cut to him. Well, hey, 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 everybody! It's time for the weather, and I know what you're saying, Elliot. You're not in studio, but you just were in studio. How'd you get out there so fast? Don't worry about it. I've got secret tunnels everywhere. I've got secret tunnels all around this city that you don't even know about. The 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 lawnmower man he uses them to travel to cut the cement everywhere. All right, it's it's beautiful this morning. I want to say right now, it is beautiful. It's more gorgeous than anybody's ever been gorgeous. It's 48 degrees, 50 degrees. It's going to get up to 77 today. It's great outside. And people are going to say, I, I know what you're already saying. Elliot, this bit is tired. The weather stinks. The weather's the best part. The weather's the best part of the day. I know what you're going to do. You're going to listen tonight to some other forecast. Don't do that. I'm telling you right now what the weather's going to be, and it is gorgeous outside. 75 high, low of 48, and I have the gumption, the fortitude, to do what other weather people don't have the gumption or fortitude to do. I'm outside live. I'm not in some studio. I'm not doing. I'm not in front of any green screen. This back, look at that building. That building's beautiful. And that's just Hamilton, Ohio for you. Uh, that's all I've got. That's the weather. I hope I elevated it enough for everybody else because that's what we're doing out here. We're elevating. We're elevating. The weather's great. Ronald Reagan, back to you. Ro Ronald Reagan. What? what? I, I, yeah, even when he's not in studio, he's doing this. But I, I don't get this bit. Listen, here's the thing about Ronald Reagan. If, if you, I, I don't know, make millionaires, billionaires, maybe that'll trickle on down to us common folks. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, Elliot. I mean, I, I, I got nothing for you. I, I got nothing. All right, just give it back to me. Give it okay. back to me. Listen. Okay. Ronald Reagan, in this bit, everybody's going to make fun of it. Oh, the bit's not funny. The bit's hilarious. And if you don't get it, that's on you. That's not on me. I make funny bits, and uh, not everybody likes them. That's not my fault. That's not my problem. It's beautiful outside. Go bask in this weather. Frolic in the grass. Jump in a pool. Pools are probably not open. It is a little bit chilly outside. Don't jump in a pool. Uh, the Hamilton River's open. Go in the Hamilton River. We're going to have ourselves a day. Casey, let's read some ads. Thanks, Elliot. Man, that I, was big time. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the yeah, fact that we got him. Now we're really expanding here. The fact that we got that set up outside the studio is pretty awesome, that we got that and live. And I tell you, that was a beautiful look. I mean, the first thing that I thought of looking there, that shot. Can you go back and just take a, a still of that real quick? I'm assuming we recorded that so we could go back and just take a still of the background. I mean, it looks a little look. It's, it's like something out of like a, a small town in New England. Look at all the colors, the leaves, right? Look I, in the background. I don't the know. Church. New England looks more. I mean, maybe like Boston, but maybe it looks more like downtown New York to me, Tom. <laughs> that skyline's just gorgeous. Casey, Casey we got to continue some ads. on with what you were going to do. The Bengals report, which we just got really in depth with, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. The path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. And then let me tell you by the way, Zebra made it back in the studio. Well done, Zebra. Thank you, guys. Thank well you. Thank done. you. I had, to, I had to sprint back here. Listen, everybody knows I'm not one for sprints, but that's what I had to do. I had to climb up to the top of that garage, and now I'm back. Did a and wardrobe back. change, too. Well and done. And a wardrobe change. Yeah, wardrobe well change. Yeah, wow. Good job. Okay, Big go ahead, Case. Fantastic for Elliot. Um, I got this new premium alkaline water. You're not so new anymore. Pawnee water made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Made with natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, the best tasting water in the world. You can visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And for me, it's the pH level. It's not a 7. It's not a 9. It's a perfect date. Reed, what do you like about this water? I, I like the name. Listen, everyone's wondering, how do you spell Pawnee? How do you spell Pawnee? It's P to the A to the H-H-N-I, yes, that's Pawnee. P to the A to the H-H-N-I, yes, that's Pawnee. P to the hit of Ellie. That's horrible. Oh, boy. I mean, that just makes my skin crawl when he does it every time. No Black Eyed Peas fans, huh? Well, no, I am. You just ruined it. So, yeah, Pawnee. Here's the thing about Pawnee. It's the smoothness. It goes down the gullet nice and easy. When I'm, when I'm sprinting back and forth from the top of a garage back down to the studio, I need a refreshing liquid. I'm going to take Pawnee water first. Everybody should go out and get it. It's phenomenal. It's the best water in the entire universe. Go get Pawnee today. P to the A to the H. What is it? H-H-N-I. Yes, that's Pawnee. What is it? P to the A to the H-H-N-I. Yes, that's Pawnee. That's it. All right. Tom. <laughs> we have a super chat, Tom. We do have yes. a super chat. We have a super chat from Ben Riley. Ben might Riley. Be, might be Spider-Man. Ben Riley. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, question. Theories as to why Zach slash Brian are not very creative on offense yet. Lou will break all the rules to win. What does that mean, break all the rules to win? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But he Is said, that a Michigan reference? <laughs> <laughs> Did Luke coach at Michigan? Listen, I don't, I don't know why the, the offense has been inept in, in terms of play call for years now. And that's the biggest question. That's what everyone wonders is why, why can't we do more offensively with all the talent that they have around? Well, um, if you had Anthony Munoz on your offensive line, I mean, think about this for a second. It's one of my favorite guys in the world. We're going to get to Anthony here in a second. But I, I was just reading a little bit about, you know, all the Pro Bowls and the Hall of Fame and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
But man, when you look at some of the lists that are put out where very educated football people that have been around for a long time, they'll rank their top 100 players in the history of the game. Anthony Munoz ends up being somewhere between like 10 and 15 and by far the highest rated offensive lineman to ever play. Now think about that for a second. We talk about acquiring this guy and acquiring that guy and everything else. Anthony, good morning, my friend. It is so nice to see you. Great seeing you, Tom. Thanks for having me. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. You know, I, I'm the only guy in the world that calls you the chief. I don't know where we came up with that back when you and I were doing Fox games hey. together. But, of course, I had another nickname, if I remember, that you gave me. <laughs> let, let, me let me just share briefly, if I can, where that chief came from to refresh your memory. So I saw your message, and I said, Deed, my wife, Deed, I said, here's my nickname, and I explained to her. So if you remember, I retired from the Bengals and signed with Tampa Bay. I went down there, and my locker was between Lamar Thomas and Horace Copeland, two rookie off, or wide receivers. So the first day of camp, they come in. By the, you know, they're 20, 21 years old. I'm 35. They look at me, and they say, you're the chief, and we're the Indians. You're the head man. <laughs> and if you remember, our first game, I believe, we did together was in Tampa. Yeah. And. They came up to me and they said, Chief, how you doing, Chief? And uh, that's for that, Nick. And I think you, you've kept it going. You've I kept have. It going. And, I uh, mean, I'm the only guy in your life that calls you that. Dee's not calling you that. Maybe Copeland and those guys, Thomas, are still calling you, Chief, if you ever run into them anymore. <laughs> you're the I don't only know. guy, man. I appreciate it. Now, and you, you, even, you even wrote back in your text yesterday. Hey, Tom, can we do it tomorrow? I got something going on with the foundation today. The Chief. That's I right. was fired up. That's great. Hey, um, you know, it's either Moon, because that's my West Coast name, Moon, or Chief. Uh, other than that, you know, it's Anthony. Do you, do you think that the, the Moon thing, the Moon thing, since that's your West Coast name, is that kind of a West Coast thing, you know, where they got all the crystals and all that kind of stuff <laughs> going on, so they call you Moon? Is that where that is? No. Let me, let me share a quick story, and this is funny, because you remember Frank Pastore. Of course. So Frank was the stud, man. We grew up in the same area. He was a year older than me. You know, Tom, you remember baseball is my first love. Man, Frank was the talk of the town because he was, you know, the Reds drafted him. But my junior year, his senior year, we used to have an Easter tournament. 32 teams in this week-long tournament. 32 of the best teams in Southern California there. And I'll never forget they they had the fields that backed up into each other and there was like 20 scouts over you know watching Frank Pastore and we were over here Chafee High School just winning games winning games and I'll never forget I came to bat and I literally hit one that bounced into their field it was that far and uh, so I got a home run so all of a sudden a couple of scouts come over to our field long story bearable we end up winning the tournament I got the MVP, and my baseball coach, who also pitched at USC, that was my nickname from the age of seven, Moon. That's what he called me. So 57 years, he's been calling me Moon. And he comes out. It was a night game. We won the tournament, and there's a full moon out. And he goes to announce the MVP <laughs> of the game, and he looks up, and he goes, let me just say, the moon is out tonight, and the MVP is Moon. 
And uh, and it's funny, I mentioned Frank Pastore because I got to know Frank really well after I got drafted here. Never knew him growing up in, in the same area, but once I got to Cincinnati, we became really, really good friends. And he goes, Anthony, he goes, I should have been the MVP of that tournament. I said, Frank, you're a Major League Baseball player. Let me have my one highlight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> he always mentioned that. That's where the nickname came from, was my high school, uh, and it stuck with me through college, and there's about three or four guys here in Cincinnati that call me Moon. Only one of them's from the West Coast, so it's not the crystal yeah. thing. It's not <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, you know but to, to, to follow that up for a second, because I've asked you about this before on this show, but, you know, you, you talk about baseball being um, – your first love and you had actually had a chance to play baseball for a little while at USC while you were still yeah. playing on the football team. Now, I mean, it's almost impossible to picture you being a shortstop, right? <laughs> I mean, there have been a lot of big guys that have come yeah. down the trail yeah. since then, you know, the Alex Rodriguez's and the Cal Ripken juniors, but they ain't Anthony Munoz. Size. They ain't moon <laughs> size. I mean, <laughs> You must have been really moving back in those days. Well, you know, I think there's a little bit of a, a misperception. Softball was my shortstop, or shortstop was my softball position. Okay. I was actually a third baseman. Okay, um, well, I can see that. But, you know, Tom, and I'll tell people, you know, you got to be self-aware. I mean, I wasn't the fleetest on foot. Um, I could hit a long ball, but we never, we didn't have a fence. So I had to hit a ball twice as far as you to get a home run. Because going around the bases, man, it wasn't a stopwatch. It was a calendar for me. <laughs> and uh, But put me in that little square at third base, and you couldn't bunt on me. I'd take the line away from you. I, it was just one of those crazy things. I played third base in high school at 275 pounds. And I sat down, and I could go laterally, upwards, back. But... I wasn't that quick around the bases, and that started to happen late in high school. Then, of course, in college, you get stronger and you get faster, and that's where the speed came. But it was one of those things as I started playing third base at the age of seven, and I just wanted to play third. I wanted to be a major leaguer. In fact, I got to meet my, my boyhood hero when I was 42 years old. I had a glove that had the name Brooks Robinson on it, and I was going to be a third baseman like Brooks Robinson. And at the age of 42... I met him and I just, I saw him in the room. I was at a, we we're doing the show together. And I said, oh my goodness, is that? And they said, yep. And I went over there and I had a chance to be around him two or three times after that, that card shows. Uh, and really sad when he passed not long ago. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as a third baseman, man, I tell you what, and that's what helped me as an offensive lineman. I could sit, I could move laterally back and uh, out in space. And because I played baseball, third base, I played basketball at 275. I had to guard guys that were 170, 180. So um, all those other sports helped me with what I did in the NFL. You know, that, that, that makes me think of something, Anthony, because you still work with a lot of young people. And we'll talk about your foundation and all you're doing there in a little bit. But, but you know, uh, Urban Meyer's not the first guy. But, I mean, I, he had a very famous quote about it. And I'm paraphrasing here, talking about when he was at Florida and Ohio State, how he didn't want the guy – and football, you can't do this. So in fairness, it's not like, you know, he had some, uh, you know, uh, magic moment where it dawned on him that this happened. 
because you don't play football year-round, select football like you would soccer or lacrosse or basketball or baseball. But, you know, he made the point that I think 95 or 96% of the players that he put on scholarship to play football at Florida, that they all played at least two sports, if not three. It seems like, and I saw this even with my son, who was a great lacrosse player. You know, it seems like so frequently, Anthony, so many parents, and you don't blame the parents because the kid wants to do it, and God bless him. But they're getting a kid just locked into one sport rather than playing multiple sports. What what are your thoughts on that in this day and age? Yeah, I you know, they say, well, it's tough to play two, three sports. Maybe I'm old school, but I don't think it's tough. I think it's very beneficial, and I tell people, and I know I was in high school a long time ago, if they would have said, you pick this sport or that sport, I would have said, Mom, let's go find a school where I can play three sports because no way am I specializing. I think it's, you know, and to your point, Tom, John Robinson, amazing coach. I love the man. I played for him at USC. Never went to one of my football games. He watched me. He went to three of my basketball games. There was two or about three or four linemen that played that I played with at USC, all played basketball, all 6'6", 6'7", 240 to 270 in high school and played basketball because he wanted to see how well you could move. Can you move your feet? Can you sit down and move? So, and I talk about, you know, but, you know, what's happening now, if you're playing two sports, one sport, they do camps, clinics, the same time the other sport's going on. So they say, well, you got to pick. Uh, you know, I think, what was it, two or three years ago, I think, I think 30, 31 of the 32 first-round picks in the NFL draft were multiple sport guys in high school. Well, people say, well, yeah, they're going to be multiple sport guys because they're unbelievable athletes. They can play. No, well, if you put the time in every sport, you can do it. I still believe it can be done, but there's so many people that don't believe that, so that's the whole mindset with parents. No, they can't do that. We have to get coaches for them and eight, nine years old, got to send them to this camp, that camp when they're seven, eight, nine years old because they're going to get a full ride to, to college and they're going to be in the NBA and you know NFL or MLB. So that's the whole mindset now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit to the Bengals this year. Um, you watch them. You, you broadcast yeah. the preseason games on television. What's your sort of overall big picture view of the team so far this year, Anthony? Okay. Well, first of all, I think a lot of people were surprised on the slow start. Maybe I don't know a whole lot, but it doesn't surprise me when teams where their players do not play any preseason game start slow. To me, week one and two are like preseason games for these guys. You know, the team, I believe, is very talented. But, I mean, as a former offensive lineman, you need five guys and they had two new guys. I mean, you moved Jonah to right tackle, new position. You got Brown. So you got new guys. I think you need to work together, at least some in the preseason, live. Practice is one thing. Preseason games are another. Not that you have to play two, three quarters, but I think you need some action, some live action. Of course, Joe is hurt. So to me, now that he is healthy, or it appears that he's close to being very healthy, I think that's big now. So I think now this team has a chance to really build on the two wins before the break. Now they're a little healthier because they've had this week off. And I think they still have a chance to, to do some really good things in this league because they are, I think they're a very talented team. People say, well, they lost Von Bell and they lost, uh, you know, their other uh, 
Jesse Bates, yeah. You know, safety, but they got some young guys. I mean, Dax Hill is a number one pick. It's time for him to step up. Nick Scott, you know, was with the Rams, played big-time game. You know, so I think this team is very talented defensively. I mean, not only with talent, some depth, but they're fast. They are fast. And I think the key, again, as we've talked year after year, the key for this offense is how this offensive line plays. Man, when you got some talent like they do on the perimeter – and I think Joe Mixon still has some gas, a lot of gas in the tank. And like I said, now that Joe's healthy, I think they're capable. And it's a tough schedule, but I think they're capable of doing some really good things. And uh, But again, that slow start, as much as I didn't want to see it, I can say it didn't surprise me because of the lack of action with a lot of these guys in the preseason. Um, you know, so I think uh, now, I think they continue. I think they build. And they're coming off this bye week, and they got a tough game. You know, with the 49ers out in San yeah. Francisco, they just got beat by Minnesota. And, uh, you know, their defense can bring it. And you got a pretty good uh, running back uh, who I hate to say is from the Pac-12, but from that school up in Palo Alto. Yeah. Uh, you know, Caffrey, a guy's amazing, great tight end. So it's a big challenge for this football team. But, again, I think the Bengals can play with and beat any team in the league right now. All right, I want to zero in for a minute on the offensive line. We had Willie Anderson on this program a um, few months back. And, of course, he does a lot of work like you do with yeah. young players and, and, and helping young offensive linemen to, to develop their skills, all-around skills as a human being as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, we really enjoyed our conversation with him quite a bit uh, a couple of months back. Uh, and, and he was able to reflect back on the move that Jonah Williams was going to have to make going from left tackle to right tackle. Um, what are your thoughts about how truly difficult, because, okay, you didn't go play right tackle, but you understand and you've been around people who yeah. have. Um, is that a much bigger adjustment than people think? I think so. People say, well, all you got to do is get in a right-handed stand instead of a left-handed, step with it. No. So the thing that I and, – and I can relate to it, Tom, a little bit because in college we didn't have right side, left side. We had strong side, weak side. So by formation, sometimes I lined up as a right tackle. Sometimes I lined up as a left tackle. So I was really prepared if I didn't play left tackle to play either side because of the training. But it is, I say that, that to say that I did have a little of experience of that. But once I got in the NFL, it was just left the whole time. But it is difficult. One of the things, and of course, the intensity wasn't as big, but there was probably six, seven Pro Bowls that I went where it was three left tackles that went to the Pro Bowl. Well, they're always younger guys than me, so they always say, Anthony, can you play right tackle? And I say, okay, I'll play right tackle. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, people think, well, all you, like I said, all you got to do is get in a right-handed stance and you, you change your steps. Now, there's a lot more to it. So the fact that Jonah has played left tackle for as long as he has and watching him at practice and watching him how he's moved and transitioned I've been very impressed with the young man, the way he's done that. But it isn't as easy as you know a lot of people think. It's a very difficult transition. We got lots of people asking questions that watch the program regularly that, that are so excited you're still here. Um, one, you, you've been asked this a thousand times, but I don't know if I know the answer. I'm quite sure I don't. Toughest guy you had to block against as a pass rusher and or the run game? Yeah. So probably, let, I'm going to kind of use two categories. The best all-around defensive end that I've played against probably five or six times, the total package, size, speed, strength, 
uh, quickness, uh, smarts was Bruce Smith. I mean, the guy only played 19 years in the, in the league. Uh, amazing, amazing. A guy that plays defensive end, but you could move him inside, cock him over the, the center, and he would be just as effective. Uh, so he's probably the best. The guy that was the strongest guy that ever played against, and he was 6'2", 6'3", so he had some amazing leverage. And with Bruce, it was a little different matchup. With Joe Klecko, man, it was like being in a 15-round heavyweight fight. Mm. Uh, you know, he just gets in the Hall of Fame, which he well-deserved, and he finally got in this last year. But you think about who they had in the New York Sack Exchange. Joe Klecko, Mark Gassineau, Abdul Salam, and Marty Lyons. I mean, those were four of the best defensive linemen as a group that I ever faced. But Joe Klecko, probably the strongest, uh, probably the best technique for a D lineman. Man, he had those hands in tight, and he would just – just amazing strength, but uh, the overall packet had to be uh, Bruce Smith. Okay. Um, not surprised by that one. You guys went toe-to-toe many, many times, including some yeah. big ones uh, there in the run yeah. to the Super Bowl yeah. year. Um, is, is I was fortunate enough to be around you when you and I were partners uh, doing Fox games and just listening to you talk about being an offensive lineman. And one of the things I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm paraphrasing here, where you talked about, look – it's natural human instinct, right, to want to be the guy who's the aggressor and hit somebody rather than backing up and letting somebody come and hit you. In other words, run blocking versus pass protection. Has has and, and I'm not asking you to evaluate the play calling. I'm asking you right. with this new offensive line. I'm asking you: Have they truly been given a chance to prove whether they can run block or not? You know, first of all, let's talk about, you know, my analogy and, and what I've said. So a lot of times I have kids that say, I want to play defense because I want to hit people. You're right in saying as an offensive lineman, you have to, you know, be passive and then deliver a, a strike, sometimes going backwards. And then, But one of the things that with Jim McNally, who I played my entire career for, is that we were able to attack even on the pass. And that was a, the thing that made it fun for me is the, strat, the, the strategic game planning of, hey, why drop back every time you're passing and let those guys make their moves? Why not be aggressive, like run block them and then make them react to you on a pass? Make them think you're going to run block them and then stop and just cut the distance down? So we had all of that. Um, So that was the fun thing for me is being able to be aggressive when I wanted to and then not be aggressive when I maybe the play called for me not to be. Uh, So that was a good arsenal to have. Had they allowed this um, offensive line, the thing that that impresses me and I think they have a chance is because of their offensive line coach. I love Frank Pollock. I love what he teaches. I love his mentality. I love his toughness. Um, you know, but I just think it's just the the nature of the beast. I mean, people are throwing the ball all the time now. I mean, you know, it's third and one. When I was playing, I mean, it was like, don't if you see a pass coming, what do you think? What are you thinking about? Let's just button it up, and we're going to get that one-yard run in the football. Now it's like people are, you know, more so than not passing the ball on third down. So I think because of the the way the game's played now, and even in college, uh, you know, are all linemen truly given the opportunity to do that? Again, I say to win a championship, you look at the teams that win. Those are, they can still get down and knock you off the ball. That's, you can throw the ball for four or 5,000 yards, but they can knock you off. 
So I just think the way the offenses are being run, the whole offensive philosophy of pass, pass, pass. I mean, it's, you know, we used to run the ball to set up the pass. I mean, we had probably, if not the best play action guy, one of the best play action guys in Boomer Esiason. I mean, you didn't know if he handed the ball, if he had it every time right. he called the play. Because that's just the progression he went through. Uh, I'll never forget, we're playing the Redskins at home. And we ran it, you know, Bruce Reimers and I double teamed Dexter Manley. And the linebacker steps up and Icky Woods is behind us. And the whole pile there and Dexter Manley grabs me and he grabs Icky and he goes, there's no way you guys can run this way. And I said, Dexter, we didn't. Look in the end zone. Eddie, Brown, <laughs> Eddie, Brown, Eddie Brown's catching the play from Boomer. Great play action fake. And it's about the offensive line selling. The thing we used to talk about is when you run play action pass, the linebackers not only have to see the offensive lineman run blocking, but they have to hear it. They got to hear the collision of you coming off and selling it. And uh, with great technique, because you don't want to one hit and let the guy go. And, and so that, you know, we were trained that way. And uh, so, like I said, we used to run the ball to set up the pass. And I tell you what, that was, uh, now it's, you know, again, I'm not in within the, the play, you know, play calling or game planning. So I'm not right. sure the whole strategy, but uh, I just think it's the nature of the beast. And it's like, throw, 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 throw the ball. Okay, a lot has been made of that, that, that. By the way, I mean to hear that that kind of that kind of thing. I've never heard that before, and I've been lucky to be around a lot of people. I've never heard that before about the linebacker not only has to see it, but to hear it. That that's just yeah. fascinating to me to yeah. hear it. Um, okay, it leads to we're being led to believe in some circles that during this bye week. And now that Joe Burrow appears to be getting healthier and healthier, he said he's close to 100% now in his press conference a couple days ago, um, that we might see more under center Joe Burrow, um, which Boomer was under center a lot. You guys were rarely, if ever, in shotgun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, that, is that a big deal to all of a sudden now, all of a sudden be going to more under center? Quite frankly, I'm a fan of both. I think teams have gotten away – so much from under center. And I think it's great uh, that, that that's going to happen. I like that. I mean, the fact that, you know, you, you know, again, there's advantages to both. I mean, you get the ball back in the shotgun and you're already looking where comp uh, compared to getting the ball then dropping. But to me, I think the run game is helped out by under center. Uh, the play action is helped out, I think, from under center. So I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, they'll be, you know, getting a little more under the center because I'm a big fan of doing both. And I think so many, you know, college teams have gotten away from, I mean, even I watch my grandsons playing seventh and eighth grade. They rarely get under center. Yeah. They rarely do. You know, third and one, you're in the shotgun. Third and one, you're under center. Oh, there's going to be a quarterback sneak. I mean, come on. Let's say you don't have to be a genius to understand that third and one, you're under center, you're going to run a quarterback sneak. But uh, so I'm a fan of both. I'm excited that, uh, you know, Joe will be getting under center. I think it's, uh, it helps out for both the passing and the run game. Well, Anthony, we can't thank you enough for your time today, my friend. You are the best. And, uh, and, 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 you know, all you're doing with your foundation, I don't want to let you go before you talk about yeah. it. Because it seems like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you made some changes in your, your social media uh, staff or whatever it might be. It seems like you guys are all over the place now, or maybe it's just that you continue to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and do so much for so many young people. Well, first of all, I mean, I appreciate you talking about the foundation. We never got to your nickname though. That, that kind of, 
upsets <laughs> me. We didn't get to the nickname. <laughs> right, 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 right. You can tell that no, at the but, end. We want to hear about your foundation. Okay. No. So we hired a young, so it's always been, but we hired a young lady, another staff member a couple of years ago, and, and she's been excellent in the social media area. Uh, you know, Claire Kilgore, she, uh, Gilmore, she is a, a local gal. She, she was a state championship swimmer at Marymount High School. I know that. At, uh, at Ohio State. Uh, so we hired her uh, actually during COVID. Uh, she's been amazing uh, with social media. And, but the impact has also continued to grow with the foundation, Tom. Last uh, yesterday, the fact, you know, you'd asked me to be on with you yesterday, but I, we had a full day leadership seminar. We had 83 high schools at a full day event over a thousand young people, four amazing speakers, breakout sessions, one of our programs that we run. So, you know, during COVID, we continued to increase the, the outreach. We kind of had to reinvent ourselves, you know, with the, with the, you know, the virtual stuff. But then once now that we're back in person, we've incorporated the virtual with our in-person. So the impact continues to grow with the, the young people in this great community. Uh, but our staff, I have four full-time staff and they do an amazing job. I mean, it's everybody we work with from the golf courses to the venues. They're like, man, your staff is right on it, man. We don't, they don't miss a detail. We get every detail. Uh, the communication is unbelievable. So I'm very thankful for the staff we have here uh, and they do a phenomenal job. So uh, yeah, so this young lady, Claire, and of course we got, you know, Kaylee, Kristen and Anna now, they, they do a, ph a phenomenal job. Uh, and uh, so I'm thankful for that. So yeah, things are, things are rolling and, uh, really exciting with the foundation. Well, it's, it's amazing what you've done for, for young people. I mean, it's just amazing giving them a chance to, to, to better their lives in so many different ways, not yeah. just in terms of providing scholarship, but, you know, spiritually and, and, and emotionally and mentally and physically. And um, it's, it's amazing work. God's work is what you're doing. And uh, so amen. Uh, we, amen. we all say, uh, we all say thank you for that. I can't even remember what the nickname was. It was something <laughs> ridiculous. And you would never let it go. You never let it go. So if you, you remember the name Dale? Yeah, I did. Now you, okay. Now I got it. Now I got <laughs> Can it. Can I yeah. share the quick story? Of course. Share absolutely. Story? I, 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 Real quick. We're, so we're, Tom and I are doing a game up in Detroit, Atlanta at Detroit. So schedule is you get on on Friday, you go to the walkthrough, you interview the coaches of the home team, the players. Then Saturday morning, the visiting team comes in. The Atlanta Falcons come in. We are ready at the hotel. Producer, director, play-by-play -play analyst to meet with the coaches. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, June Jones was the coach, and we're waiting in the meeting room. No Tom. No Tom. Where's Tom? You know, Billy McCoy, Ray Hamilton, Roy Hamilton, Anthony, we're all there. Where's Tom? We're getting ready. The coach comes in. All of a sudden, you remember you come in, and you're a little frustrated. You're a little angry. <laughs> And you sit down, and we go through our meeting. We have a great meeting, and afterwards we're like, Tom, why are you so upset? <laughs> he goes, I, I would have been on time, but I'm going through the lobby. And these two police officers stop me, yep. and they start questioning me. And I guess you had looked similar to someone they were looking for. That's and right. the guy's name was Dale, and you right. pull out your, your license. I'm Tom Brenneman, not Dale. <laughs> That's you remember right. that? I do remember. You're right. You're right. So Some dude they were looking for. It. That's exactly right. And you oh. fit the description. We go, not our Tom. But <laughs> no one, no one Dale. was, no one was ever more. The only time, and I've shared this story infrequently, but the only time I've ever seen you mad. Now I've been on a football field in uniform with you, but the only time I ever saw you get 
upset, man, was your old friend, Buddy Ryan. He walked to the door. I know. God bless his soul. I understand. (laughs) But, I mean, he had you so fired up, and I just thought to myself, man, that's a dude that's got to be on the football field. (laughs) Uh, You remember the whole conversation? I do. So a little a little history. So we played the Eagles in, uh, in I think it was our Super Bowl year. We played them. They were loaded. We beat them in a tough game. And Buddy Ryan was a head coach. And so my question to him in the game or pregame, if you remember, I asked if was his middle linebacker kind of the quarterback for the no huddle offense that they're going to face. He goes, oh, we have no problem with the no huddle offense. <laughs> and, and he goes, and he goes. Plus, I've taken over the defense since. <laughs> I said, no. So you have no problem with the no huddle offense. I said, so uh, I think we scored like 30 points with the no huddle offense. That was <laughs> That's exactly dude. right. That's right. He got up walked out. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. You remember yeah. he had the he had the four Cardinal hats that they weren't for us, but he had – so he left the room and hit and, – and you guys like, you just stiffed us out of a Cardinal hat. He was going to give us a hit. You got him upset. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. It was Still great, looking though. for that Cardinal lid. I have no idea. I don't. I got a Cardinal T-shirt. I don't got a Cardinal lid. It's all because hey, Tom, of you. Do you know? Do you know that Buddy Ryan coached Jim McNally at the University of Buffalo? Did you know? that? I did not know that. You got to be how kidding. I met, first met Buddy Ryan, Jim McNally, who was my coach my entire career, offensive line, played at the University of Buffalo, and Buddy Ryan was his coach. And that's when he introduced me to those. Oh, oh, I got him a little upset. He got me a little fired up. That's right. I know. I know. <laughs> Calm down, big fella. Calm down, big <laughs> fella. Right. Anthony, thanks for your time today, man. Hey. You're the best. God bless you, buddy, and hey, God and bless kids you, and grandkids. Always, Thank you. Always good seeing you. Please say hi to the family. I will bless do you, it, brother. buddy. All right, All man. Right. Take care. Yeah. Be well. Anthony Munoz, the great Anthony Munoz. The guy's uh, unreal, isn't he? What a gem, Tom. He's the what best. A gem. He's the best. I'm telling you. I, I mean, he he. The best. You know. You know what the the highest testament that I that you can get people that are famous is that Joe Nuxall had it here in Hamilton. Your dad has this. Anthony has this here in town. Is that everyone remembers has a story where they met Anthony Munoz somewhere and you know, he sits there and his smile lights up the room. Yep. He talks to you and he acts, he, he it's, it's not like he's some famous guy. He's just an everyday guy. Hey, how's it going? And he'll talk to you for 10 minutes. If you want to talk for 10 minutes, Joe Knox, all your dad, Anthony Munoz, they're, they're all like that. They all have stories. Everyone remembers a, a story where they met Anthony Munoz. Yeah, that was awesome. I, by the way, Tom, I was looking on my phone and had you, had you asked, I was looking. I was looking for my next question because Mark put it in the chat. I was looking at his scene from some movie called The Right Stuff. That's the John Glenn movie. Yes, he was in this, and I was looking at him. It appears he is taking these two medical people down the hallway, and he's just some massive uh, doctor. Right. So I, that's what I was looking at. That was I, that, I had my question ready to go on that. That was phenomenal. Tom, was that the only time you've been a wanted man by the, by the police? Dale. No. Would be uh, the answer to that. We'll <laughs> no. have to unfold that someday, Dale. Dale. How do you feel about the name Dale? I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because I didn't like it, Anthony, and he mentioned our director at the time, Billy McCoy, who hails out of Pittsburgh, and Roy Hamilton, who was a great basketball player at UCLA, uh, played in the NBA, became a big TV sports executive. He was our producer. That was the very first year of the NFL on Fox. Back in 1994, Anthony and I were partners 
Uh, and then Anthony didn't want to do it anymore after a year. He was traveling too much. He had a lot of other stuff going on. And so that was that. It was one year. But I tell you what, man, um, you know, th there are very few people where in any sport, in life, where when they walk into a room of their quote-unquote peers, and whether those peers come in this case, uh, when we would go to NFL uh, cities to meet with a home team, as he mentioned on Friday, you, you'd go to the home team practice on Friday, you would request ahead of time who you'd like to meet with in a meeting room inside the practice facility after their Friday practice was over. And that normally, obviously, would be the head coach, quarterback, couple other guys, whatever. Um, uh, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, what have you. But, uh, and, and then you do the same thing the next day at the visiting team's hotel. Um, and when Anthony Munoz, when these guys would walk into a room, and, and I'm sure they were told ahead of time who's announcing the game, but most times, more times than not, they could care less, especially back then. Um, they didn't even know what Fox was. Uh, and when they come walking in, into a room and there's Anthony Munoz, I mean, you see the best of the best of the best at what they do, whether that was Mike Holmgren as a coach, whether that was fill-in-the-blank quarterback, whether it was defensive player here, whether it was defensive coordinator. When they walked in the room and it was Anthony Munoz sitting in there, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone that immediately – had the respect, and I mean the total respect and admiration of one person the way he did. I mean, and I've been around a lot of big-time guys, man. Right. I mean, Pete Rose walks in a room and everybody's like, it's Pete Rose, right? But, but, but there's something just different about when Munoz would walk in. Now, I don't know if it's because he's you know, 6'6", 270. Big, imposing guy. Big, imposing guy. Not only his career, considered the greatest offensive lineman, the way he carries himself off the field mm -hmm. and all that he does and who he is and what he believes and what he stands for. Maybe it's a combination of all of those things. But I think you would have a hard time. We talk about it being a great guy. I think you'd have a hard time finding anybody in any walk of life that if they walked in the room amongst their peers – or people that, that, that were in their same world that have the kind of instant respect that Anthony Munoz had. You guys are too young to remember him as a player. Way too young, yeah. I mean, the battles. I was working at Channel 5 right out of college when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl in 88. And this was the year, and we talked about this with Bob Trumpy when he was on the show. Um, that was the year Sam went to a no-huddle offense. Sam Weish, head coach of the Bengals. Mm -hmm. No one had ever seen anything like it in the NFL. And the, the, the Bengals had the personnel to do it. They had versatile players. They had versatile running backs. Jane Brooks could do anything you wanted him to do. The offensive line, these guys were so smart. They could do it. Boomer was just off the charts smart. So they had stuff going on. Uh, that, that, that you'd walk up to the line of scrimmage and, you know, sugar this and, you know, whatever that. And all of a sudden there's eight different plays you could run off of it and every single one of them. There. But that year, the top two teams, it wasn't like now where you could say it was three or four. The undisputed top two teams in the AFC the whole year were the Bengals and the Bills. They had played during the regular season. 
they had played, if I'm not mistaken, they had played in the preseason. Back when, oh boy, what a surprise. Maybe you need preseason to get off to a good start. Hello? Is the sun out? Um, but anyway, so they, the Bengals beat him in the regular season. Munoz dominates Bruce Smith, who is the best defensive lineman in the NFL. No question. And now here comes the AFC Championship game. Marv Levy, coach of the Bills at the time, petitions during the entire week that the no-huddle offense should not be allowed in this game. And he had certain reasons and rules and different things that should not allow this. We had not gotten to a point yet where, like we are now, and the no-huddle offense is really what started this, where the other team is allowed to substitute, right? You stop the ball from being snapped until they can make substitutions as well. Well, back in those days, when the Bengals were running no huddle, they're running guys off, I mean, on and off the field that looked like a track meet. And they wouldn't huddle. Just come to the line, snap it, call it, play, off, off. So, he, so Marv Levy's trying to get the commissioner, Paul Tagliabue at the time, to overrule the Bengals the night before the AFC championship game for the NFL to step in and say the Bengals are not allowed to run this offense that they have been running the entire year. Well, thankfully, that was completely done away with. But, I mean, it was a hardcore sell, and it was, it was the biggest story. Imagine now the Bengals have played in the last two AFC championship games. Try to put into perspective if now all of a sudden something the Bengals have been doing all year long, pick something, who knows, whatever it is, and all of a sudden Andy Reid, say they're playing the Chiefs, he is petitioning the league that they're not allowed to do it the night before the AFC championship game. This was a beyond belief huge story. And I mean to tell you, the Bengals kicked their tail and Munoz <laughs> dominated Smith. Um, it was humbling for Bruce Smith, and he was a great player. Gosh, great player. Um, all right. Anyway, anything uh, from that interview before we move on to a couple of other things here? Nothing from yeah, the interview. I, the only thing I was wanting to maybe ask him, which is very, very side note-ish, just the tight end offensive tackle relationship, if that really is important, because just the tight end issues that we have with the Bengals. That was yeah, the only thing yeah, I Yeah, was... I wanted to get to that. Yep. Yeah. I just didn't want to keep him too long. Yeah. Today. Yeah. He was so gracious with his time. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another athlete. I've been very fortunate to talk to a bunch of them, uh, professional athlete that is. How many come into a room and just light it up like that? He just comes in with a smile, starts laughing around, telling stories. I have, I have found very few athletes that I have talked to that, that do exactly what he just did just there, which is really cool to see. Tom, do you know why he stayed in – like, he's not from Cincinnati. No, he's from uh, Ontario, California. Right, and he played at USC, yep. out, out west guy. But he's he stayed here in Cincinnati. I know he played his entire career here, but I, I wonder why he, he, he stuck around town here. Well, he loved it here. He thought it was, he thought it was the kind of place where him and his wife, Dee Dee, could raise kids in the kind of environment they wanted to raise their kids in. 
you know, look, there, I mean, there, there are people, you know, that, that, and I saw it in Scottsdale, Arizona, when I was there with the Diamondbacks and the greater population at the time was 1.2 million when I moved there in 1995. By the time I left 13 and a half years later, it's three and a half million. Now it's five and a half, six million. Well, there's a lot of good that comes with that growth. There's a lot of not so good that comes with that growth. Um, and so I think that Anthony, as we've told the story many, many times, he just, he felt comfortable here. He knew he had to be here initially, that he thought about going back to California. And then he's just like, you know what? This is an unbelievable place. And so back in those days, Mason was all farmland. Correct, right. All farmland. And he bought a ton of land up there, helped start a church, um, and the community around him, he just absolutely loved it. And here he is, you know, now in probably early 60s, right? Mid-60s maybe? Late 60s. He is uh, 65. I was going to say, yeah. Just turned 65. So, I mean, he's been here since he was 21 years old. It's incredible. Yeah. He had, his son was a pretty good football player, Great right? football player. He was uh, um, Tennessee, one of, one, probably the most heavily recruited offensive lineman in the country as a high school senior. Could have gone anywhere. Uh, he decided to go to Tennessee. And one of the reasons he went there was because his sister, Michelle, Michael's his son. His sister, Michelle, was one of the five or ten most heavily recruited high school basketball players that. in the country. So she went to Tennessee back when they're winning all the national championships, right? right? They were then what UConn has become now, Correct. right? So, so Michelle goes down there. Michael's being recruited by everybody. He's tight with his sister. He's like a year or two behind her. He comes out of Molder. He goes down there. Well, Michelle wound up transferring to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. um, but Michael was the SEC freshman of the year. He was first team all-conference as a left tackle at the University of Tennessee as a freshman. And he suffered an injury in the game that was not diagnosed for like a year and a half later. He had one of those first that we heard of micro-fracture chips in his knee. And so he came back to play after missing a year, was still a first-team All-SEC guy, but he would have been a first-round NFL guy had he not gotten hurt. Wow. A great kid. Yeah, he, he's up, I think, working for the Pro Football Hall of Fame now, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Sir Boy Wonder says Reed is from Mason. That's not true, Sir Boy. It's true. That's not true. No, I mean, why would he say that? Oh, no, he says Mason's wait, a dog. Wait, wait a minute. You're the, you replied. You said when people think of Reed Mouse, they think Mason, Ohio. Being facetious, yes. He was being sarcastic. I was being facetious, yes. Because <laughs> people do not think of me when they think of Mason. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> Think of high nooners, Miami, Oxford, Ohio. Well, we're going to get to that tomorrow. And by the way, that's one of our games tomorrow, our picks. Okay. Ohio University v. Miami. It's a big game. In A-Town. First place on the line in the MAC East. That is going to be a tail kick. Tail kick. Mark it down. Whatever that spread is, it ain't big enough. Tom, is there is there a school that has as many uh, notable alum as USC? Like, I feel like USC has just a long a long list of like Anthony Munoz and all these athletes. Uh, I mean, like in baseball, you can even think of like uh, 
Randy Tom Johnson. Tom Seaver. Yeah, like it's just. Yeah. Is that the? Is that alumni? You? Uh, they, they, they've got a lot. That, 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 that for for sure in in, a, in every sport, they've got a ton. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think that that team that Anthony played on his junior senior year won a national championship. Uh, I think when you look at that team picture, um, I, I think there's like like 15 or 17 guys that played in the NFL for like five years or longer. One of them being I had to bring to your attention today, Ronnie Lott. Yes. I, I See, this is know. where you young guys, man, you, you, you know, you, you, you got to dive into the history a little. The, For me to bring up that Lott, Ronnie Lott made a decision during a game to have his finger amputated so he could play in the game and play the rest of the season for the 49ers to try and win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He was given the choice of... He could, he, he could put a pin in it and not play for the rest of the year, or he could amputate it right then and there. And he took the latter, which is... And Tom, I, I'll be honest, the only things I knew about Ronnie Law is that he's a, he, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah, a Hall yeah, of Famer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the only thing I knew about him is he was on a, a video game, NFL Street. He was one of the legends on that game. Only thing I knew about Ronnie Lott is that, and that's how I knew that he was a Hall of Famer, because he was on that video game. Dude was an unbelievable player. I mean, just unbelievable player. Safety for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had so many other guys on that team, Montana and all. He was there with that whole group. Uh, who says, let's go up there to Athens? Sir Boy, he wants to go to A-Town. <laughs> I don't, I don't think Sir Boy's ready for A-Town, Tom. He's not. He, he's, a, he's a high nooner. Uh, they don't even sell that in Athens. Well, they sell up there. They Tom. don't sell any. They, oh, I think they sell it it's there. It's an alcohol and beer town. Oh, I think they sell it You're either it having there. a bourbon, vodka, gin, tequila, cold beer. No seltzers. No. No, we, we, they make sure that that truck just stays in the western half, southwestern half of Ohio. Because they're not drinking that crap at Toledo and Kent State and all that stuff either. That is, that is almost exclusively He's right. He's right. a Miami of Ohio. Am I right about that, Ellie? You're you right. were at Toledo for a I while. was at Toledo for two years. He's right. He's right. Tom, did homecoming already happen at OU? It did. I couldn't go. Oh, that was the same weekend as uh, our, our, our son was home for the weekend uh, for fall break. So I couldn't go. The Bum bars me. open at like five in the morning, don't they, on, on a homecoming weekend? I went there. And if they don't, they should. Get tanked I, up. I, uh, my first year out of college, <laughs> I, my, all my friends went to OU. All my friends, so they go to homecoming every year. It was my first year out of college. I was working at the newspaper up in Van Wert, Ohio. Friday night, I cover a high school football game. I, then I put the paper together. We put it out to press. I get off work at like 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning. I then hightail it at 1 in the morning from Van Wert, Ohio, northwestern Ohio, straight over to Athens. Hey, Tap. I got there right as the sun was rising, and I'm pulling it. Never had been to Athens before. First time ever being here. It's still the first time, only time I've been there to, like, hang out. And I pull in this whole block, 4.30 in the morning, Every party at every house. Everyone's out about. No one's sleeping. City that never sleeps. Athens, Ohio. That's exactly right. So I got no sleep. I, I parked the car and... Kegs and eggs. Had a fun day. Had a very fun day. Kegs and eggs. It's a fun time. Not high noon and... and, and, and that's and, right. And, and not high noon and um, eggs benedict. 
Tom, we so we do a draft or die segment every week on this show. Yes, we do. Your your punishment for that shouldn't be reading that silly script. It should be drinking a pineapple high noon. That's that's what it should be. You should have a. a, a hey, cold. I have to accept the punishment on that thing. So on tomorrow, if you guys bring in a pineapple high noon, I've got to drink it. Okay. All right. That's what that's what we'll confirmed. And right now, Casey. If that's okay, we have a mailbag, I hear. Oh, boy. Somebody, del- I saw it this morning. I looked in our mailbox, and we have a mailbag. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. <laughs> I right. sang that all night last night. <laughs> I couldn't go to sleep. All right. All right, so everybody, we do have a letter today. Today's letter, it looks like it is from, yes, it's from little Johnny from Mr. Depp's class. Johnny (laughs) says he is the center for his second grade basketball team. He says he had a growth spurt at age seven, and he is now seven feet tall. The league commissioner said poor little Johnny couldn't play anymore because he kept windmill dunking on these other kids. (laughs) Little Johnny is now a fan of Spurs player Victor Wembenyama. Yep. And is now wanting to know if he is going to be the next LeBron James, Michael Jordan, etc. Last night, Victor had 15 points, five boards, two assists, two steals, and a block. Uh, a lot of those stacks, stats are skewed because he did get into foul trouble early. But the question here from Little Johnny is: Could Victor Wembanyama be the next great basketball player in the National Basketball Association? Well, you guys follow it. What do do. you think? Yeah, that's a good, that's exactly right. That's a great question from little Johnny and and Mrs. Depp. Thank you for allowing him to write that letter. Go ahead. Correct. Yes. We know, we know NBA basketball here on this show, especially on this side of the room. Yeah. I mean, all the news, all we heard about this prospect, Victor Wimbanyana, is that he was going to be the next great prospect. Best they've seen since LeBron James. So yes, he will be. The next big star in the NBA. Heard it here first. Oh, my God. I, have, I do have an issue with some of these superstars in the NBA <laughs> that are super skinny. This guy is seven feet tall, and he weighs about 94 pounds. Super skinny. Put a little weight on. The slim, an American diet. They call, they call Kevin Durant the Slim Reaper. He's had a phenomenal career. That's a great name. Um, but the thing about Kevin Durant is he does, fl- he does tend to have those injury issues come up frequently. I think if Victor Wembanyama stays injury-free, injury-free, he will, be, he will go down as a top 10 player in NBA history. How about that take? Somebody that. clip that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty tall cotton there now. I, 10 years, somebody clip that. I'll come back and vi- revisit that take in 10 years. I bet I'll be right. Kevin Durant can't bench press 135 pounds as a professional athlete. It's incredible. That's hilarious. That's, that's very, very funny. I have to tell you, uh, I get grossly disappointed by some of the comments in the chat from time to time, but – there are some about little John. <laughs> little Johnny. I mean, <laughs> I it's this. just ridiculous. Um, what a what a what a news story that was from last year. That's preposterous. He won the case, though. He did win the case. He won the case, Tom. Hire he beat Johnny he beat Reed. he beat Amber Heard. So, and Reed, by the way, right now. As a top five, is that right? I do have a top five, so let's go ahead and dive in. All right, in. let's do it. Let's Hang do it. Hang on, give me, give me a second. No one and I do have a cherry on top, a very good cherry on top that might be up for discussion here in a little bit as well. I would well. love to discuss that. I think, I think I saw, was it the 
Don't, don't spoil. Okay. Don't, it's a cherry on top. Don't spoil. spoil. No Mouse spoil. Cop says, fire Reed and hire little Johnny. Go ahead. I completely concur. Listen, earlier in the show, Tom asked a question that's been, you know, circulating here in this area. Because the trade deadline is October 31st, next Tuesday, and yes. because there are some holes in the Bengals team, people have been wondering, will the Cincinnati Bengals go out and make a trade before the trade deadline? And you know my take on it. I don't think it might happen. But if it were to happen, if it were to happen, these are the five targets that I think the Bengals should go after. Okay. So without further ado, it's Reed's All right, here we five. go. I like this. Top five. A this is good, good was, informative stuff. Yep, a lot was to make about the Bengals going out and get a tight end. So one tight end on the market, Darren Waller. Mm, uh, Darren like Waller. that. Yeah, he's a great like that. player. Great like player. It. I think you can implement him right in the offense right now. And they're just firing on all cylinders. Darren Waller. And remember, this is the fifth guy that I think the Bengals should go after. So it only gets better from Ooh, here. man. You're going to hear a lot of tight ends on this list. Just a spoiler. But the next one is not a tight end. The other one that people have said, hey, let's go get a backup running back. Who is somebody that could be a backup running back right now? That knows this system very well. That is beloved in this city. Yes, it's exactly who you're thinking of. It's Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill could come into this offense right Started now. well, straighten the shitter. Go ahead. <laughs> Jeremy Hill, let's get him as many carries, especially in important times, maybe against the Steelers, and see what happens. Jeremy Hill, that's the Guy was up. a good player, man. He made one mistake. Go ahead. Yeah. Guy yeah. was a good player. No doubt about it. We go back to tight ends. This guy has been, you know, rumored from time to time. This guy could easily, future Hall of Famer, maybe one of the best at his position, but he's a little old, but still, I think he can implement this offense right now. It's none other than Rob Gronkowski. That's a good one. Yeah. Gronk, Hall of Famer, maybe the best to ever play the position. Certainly up there. I mean. Been playing a lot of football these days. Right. I know. I, a little old, little tread on those tires. That's why I don't have him at number one. I think you got to go a little younger. If you can't get Gronk, if you don't want those tread on the tires, yeah. why not go for baby Gronk? Baby Gronk, Tom. <laughs> Did you hear the news about baby Gronk, Tom? Not the latest. He rizzed Livy Dunn. So that's why I want him. He what? He rizzed Livy Dunn. Remember we taught you riz? Yeah. He rizzed up Livy Dunn. Yeah. Here they go again, Tom. He rizzed Tom. up Livy Dunn. Here they go again, Who's Tom. Livy Dunn? Oh, we'll no. Teach, we'll teach you, we'll teach you that later. Tom today. Uh, yeah, baby Gronk coming in at number two. And number one. I know what you guys are thinking. How can you do better than Gronk, Darren Waller, and baby Gronk at the tight end position? Yeah, I am wondering that. Well, the answer <laughs> is the Bengals have already done better. It's Drew Sample. Let's get Drew Sample the ball in open space. That's the answer to this offensive problems. Listen, every time that you think about the best plays of the Bengals for the past four years, it's DS89 getting the ball. No doubt about it. Get Drew Sample the ball. Watch this offense explode. That's who the Bengals. That's how you make this offense better, Tom. Drew Sample, DS89. Get him the ball in open space. That's your guy. <laughs> I guess he is my guy. He is now. Get open in space, and he's going to take it to the house. No doubt Touchdown. about it. Justin has a great question. Does Trace allow drug use in the office? <laughs> <laughs> No. no, he does not. He does not. But we don't. We also don't get drug tested, so who knows? Who knows? How about, by the way, Sir Boy Sir just Boy. joined Nutcutter Nation. Sir Boy, welcome home, buddy. Love Sir Boy. He's got that new gig. We were worried about new him gig. being able to join the program much. 
Yep. He's got the new oh, gig. New gig. Now he's a member. Should we introduce Tom to Livy Dunn? No, not right now. Well, well, well why not? Well, go ahead then. I, I, go ahead. I've lost control. Livy Dunn. Give me Liv- a full report. Okay, so Livy Dunn is a gymnast at the university or Louisiana State University. Okay. She has made the most money in NIL out of any college athlete over the past couple years. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow, I should know. Okay, my yes. bad for not knowing this. Okay. Uh, I'm was, assuming she's probably attractive. She is She is very pretty. She's okay. actually dating uh, number one overall pick in the MLB draft, Paul Skeens. So, uh, okay, went to LSU. Went to LSU. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, she's, she's very, very, she was in Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit model last day. There we go, Tom. Uh, go on over. Yeah, There's she's just right here. Okay. That's. Be careful. <laughs> she's a gymnast. Be careful. Ba- she's, she's a gymnast. A, she's an athlete gymnast. Correct. Good for her. And baby Gronk rizzed her up. Okay. All right. Baby Gronk, if you don't well, know. What does that mean? He did what? I mean, again, refresh my memory here. He, he like, took a picture with her or what? He risked her up, Tom. He uh, had some – it's basically some game. Spit some game with, with Livy. Baby Gronk. 12-year-old Baby Gronk. Are you not familiar with Baby Gronk? Of course I'm familiar with Baby Gronk. <laughs> of course he is. Well, <laughs> Baby Gronk and his father tried to DM Livy Dunn, and they took a picture with each other. So people say they rizzed her up. Meaning, uh, uh, baby, baby Gronk showed his swagger and tried to uh, attract Livy Dunn. Yeah, it was the news. At twelve. Yeah, it was the news story joke. of the summer. That's the joke. Oh, it was the news story of the summer. Oh boy. Okay. It was the story of summer. Oh. We have a cherry on top. Okay. We have a cherry on top. All right, let's Casey. have it. Sorry, sorry. I just saw that quitter Paul <laughs> just checked in in the chat, and the first thing he sees is Livy Dunn. That's uh Oh no, he also <laughs> Quitter Paul also just saw that he we took away his wrench. <laughs> he no longer has a He's wrench. He's not to happy. Chat. Big League Paul. Quitter Paul. Welcome back. So right. I, I saw this. I don't know if you can get the words on that. If you cannot, this guy John Blatchford, he tweeted out essentially sports stadiums create economic development. Cincinnati, 20 years and $1 billion in public money later. So the, there's two pictures on this. I believe the one Casey is showing right now is the first picture uh, of, of what the city is 20 years ago, and this is what it is today. Basically, this guy's saying that professional sports stadiums do not create enough, um, I don't know, what, what is it, enough drive from the city, enough... They don't, they, there has been many reports that... Um, Public funding should not go into building stadiums because it doesn't actually drive economic development for a city. I've never believed that for a second. Um, the, the case you can make is cities that do not have professional sports teams, that do not have um, big cities that, that do not have professional sports teams, still have a vibrant downtown area more often than not. Like OTR, until TQL Stadium, was vibrant, and that's nowhere near – the ballpark arena, arena district in Cincinnati. So that's the case that they make for it. I argue, and, and this is many studies about, about economic development. They say that it doesn't. I would argue that it doesn't need to. I mean, <laughs> government, I mean, you're pitching money together when you're government to make your area, your town better. And if the city wants to come together and say, listen, we want to build a new stadium for our football team that we take a lot of pride in, then yeah, <laughs> what are we talking about here? It doesn't need to make dollars and cents. Yeah, I, 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 I disagree with this guy's whole premise. 
to say that sports bring in nothing is crazy to me. Uh, downtown, downtown Cincinnati has been a pretty vibrant area right around. Yeah, the banks hasn't done anything down there. Right, that's, that's what they, everyone they, they was saying. They haven't created that... any tax money down there, all those apartments down there. Correct. Right, uh, and Correct. the people that have moved down there that are now paying taxes to the city, right? The General Electric building down there, the building of the Great American Tower down there. Okay. I mean, come on, come on. Zembalus is the guy that's like the guy in the world on this stuff. And he's been pitching this for a long time. Uber smart guy, smarter than I could ever hope and dream to be. But I just don't think that they look at enough of, 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 of I mean, I, I really don't think they're looking at, let's just take, for example, the amount of taxes, right? Or the jobs created that then roll into taxes paid by those people whose jobs were created, of just, a, just take an area like the banks alone. How much money has been generated down there, okay, by having the football stadium for the county? It, a bunch. There's no doubt about that. And that's why everyone was hating on that picture is because the dude cropped out the banks and everything that's gone down there. The argument is that, like, cities like Columbus don't have – I mean, they have the Blue Jackets – and they, they have a stadium that was built government money 100 years ago in Ohio Stadium, but they still have a vibrant downtown. Well, they area. don't have a vibrant downtown. They have that, that North High section down there. I go to Columbus a lot. A lot of that is their downtown is so much government money, and then basically the government is Ohio State. Right. So, I mean, you're talking about one of the largest universities in the country, one of the five or seven largest. I mean, Columbus. Now, look, conversely, I would really love for somebody to tell me what has happened with St. Louis. Because that used to be a great town. And it is one of the worst places on the planet now, the downtown. Okay? The football yeah. team moved away. Mm -hmm. Right? Used to be a vibrant downtown. Football team's gone. Uh, the baseball team... They built the brand new stadium right next to the old stadium. But by then, by the time they built that, the downtown, the wheels had already fallen off. So I mean, I'm sure there's arguments on both sides. Right. You know? But I, I say my argument has always been, yeah, it does. I don't think it needs to create economic development. Sometimes government money could be put into things that are just good for a city. That's exactly right. 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 If the city wants to say, listen, we love the Bengals. We want to have a nice stadium and the pay course is not very nice. But I digress in that, that capacity. But if they just say, like, listen, we want a new stadium because we're citizens and we're pitching money. So, yeah, we can have a say on where our money goes. Then that's okay, too. Like, that's fine. Like, it doesn't always have to. You could put $2 billion in and maybe you don't recoup that in economic development. But that's okay because it's better for the city. Now we have a place. Now we can have stadiums like Taylor Swift coming. Now we can have a football team that wants to be here. Those things are okay, too, because it's, it doesn't always need to equal out in dollars and cents. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, tomorrow we have – we're going through all our picks, mm -hmm. right? Picks of the college games and the pro over the weekend. We'll be talking a lot more about the Bengals game leading up to their clash in uh, San Francisco. We'll walk through some big days in uh, college football. Uh, none bigger than Ohio University than v Miami. Uh, is there anything following this show today? Nothing. Nothing. Anything tonight? Nothing tonight. Okay, I just want to make sure I don't miss any programming notes here. Tomorrow. Casey, nice having you in the saddle as always. Thank you, Tom. Zebra, good luck tonight with everything. Thank you. Big night, good stuff. Reed? See you, Tom. Big league shirt there. Are you? Big league. Are you? Big league. Who's your fans, Tom? Who's your? Here we go.
They haven't won very much over there. Here we go. All right, we'll see you guys. We thank Anthony Munoz, and we thank all of you for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.